all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Karen Brown with surgical pathologist Dr. Allie Brown. Today's topic is pain, or more specifically, hip and knee pain, and even more specifically, hip and knee pain related to activity. There is an epidemic of ACL injuries in young women. We'll find out more with our guest, Dr. Jason Kraft from Mississippi Sports Medicine. If you'd like to call in with a question or comment, the number is 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We're going to start the show, Southern Remedy for Women, after news from NPR on MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The White House says President Trump and his Japanese counterpart, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, have agreed to expand sanctions against North Korea for refusing to halt its nuclear and ballistic missile tests. The president is taking part in a gathering of the group of seven industrialized nations. Traveling with the president, NPR's Tamara Keith says Trump is expected to encounter pressure from other world leaders to stick with a landmark 2015 agreement governments around the globe sign to combat climate change. President Trump is considering right now whether the U.S. should pull out of the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, his concern relates to the U.S. economy and what it means for American jobs. The leaders here at the G7 will be trying to convince him that the U.S. should stay in um, because of concerns about climate change. NPR's Tamara Keith. Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law and one of his closest advisors, is said to be cooperating with the federal investigation into potentially inappropriate ties between Trump's campaign and Russian officials heading into the election. Kushner's attorney tells NPR's Kerry Johnson her client had previously volunteered to share with Congress what he knows about the meetings and will do the same with any other inquiry. In question are meetings Kushner had with Russian officials last December. Members of Egypt's Christian minority have come under deadly attack. NPR's Jane Araf reports the country's health ministry says the victim's bus was ambushed, resulting in at least 28 deaths and roughly as many wounded. State TV says gunmen opened fire on the bus in Minya province, about 200 miles south of Cairo. A provincial security source tells NPR the bus was full of Coptic Christians on their way to a monastery. No one has claimed responsibility for the attack. But an Islamic State affiliate that claimed attacks on Egyptian churches around Easter has vowed to continue attacks on Christians. Minya province has the largest percentage of Christians in Egypt. Religious tension in some communities in Minya has increased in recent years, and in many villages, they are prevented from building churches. Jane Araf, NPR News, Cairo. British police have at least eight people in custody as they investigate a possible network behind Monday night's suicide attack in Manchester. They released one person but have picked up another. And Pierre Sarias or Hattie Nelson reports. Details about the investigation are sparse after British officials complained about earlier leaks of what they say is sensitive evidence. 
It included forensic photos published by the New York Times that showed remnants of a backpack that may have been used to carry the bomb and the possible switch used to set off the explosives. The U.K. government blamed American officials for the leaks, which President Trump agreed were deeply troubling. He vowed to launch an investigation and punish those responsible. His response eased the diplomatic row and persuaded British officials to lift a ban on sharing information about the attack with American authorities. Soraya Sirhadi Nelson, NPR News, Manchester. This is NPR News. The so-called Queen of Kashmir has died. Italian fashion designer Laura Biagiotti was known for her loose-fitting, luxurious knits that conquered catwalks from Beijing to her hometown of Rome. Christopher Livesay has this appreciation. Biagiotti got her start in fashion, helping her mother make uniforms for Alitalia flight attendants. In 1972, she broke ground as a female designer when she introduced her own line in Florence. In the 80s and 90s, she was a pioneer in Eastern markets, becoming the first Italian to put on fashion shows in China and even inside the Kremlin in Moscow. Her company also made popular sunglasses and fragrances, but her signature items were her blouses, typically made of fine silk and cashmere for women of all sizes, but also children and men. She once said, the oxymoron of fashion, like that of nature, is to extract the eternal from the ephemeral. Biagiotti had a heart attack at her hilltop castle outside Rome. She was 73. For NPR News, I'm Christopher Livesay in Rome. A recall at BMW today. More than 45,000 older 7 Series vehicles in the U.S. are affected. The automaker warns the doors may accidentally open while the vehicle's in operation. The recall covers vehicles from the 2005 through 2008 model years. In new economic data out today in the U.S., the Commerce Department reports orders for long-lasting manufactured goods fell in April for the first time in five months. Government saying orders for durable goods were down seven-tenths of a percent after rising more than two percent the previous month. Dow's off 14 points. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include C3IoT, bringing cloud computing, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and IoT big data solutions to commercial, industrial, and government business processes. Learn more at C3IoT.com. This is Southern Remedy for Women with Dr. Michelle Owens on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Good morning, and thanks for being with us on Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. I'm here with Dr. Allie Brown, who is a surgical pathologist. Dr. Michelle Owens is out today, but we'll probably hear from her, knowing her. She'll probably call in at some point during the hour. Today, we are talking about hip and knee pain, but it's not about arthritis. It's more about young people or middle-aged people or even older people who, who through too much activity, exercise, what have you, uh, injure themselves because there is an epidemic of ACL injuries in young women. So we're going to focus on that with our special guest, Dr. Jason Kraft. He's from the Mississippi Sports Medicine. And um, 
Well, we'll take your phone calls with questions and comments at one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 or you can send an email to women at mpbonline.org. Dr. Brown, good morning. Hey, good morning, Karen. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here to fill in for Dr. Owens, is that her name? Yeah, Dr. Owens. Right, because you were out last week. I know, and now I know. she's out. I think she's out next week again. So How about gonna... you? Are you going to be out anytime soon? Uh... No. Okay, good. Womp womp. I'll be here next You're week instead of Dr. Owens. You're the stalwart. <laughs> and good morning to Dr. Jason Kraft. Thank you for being here. Yeah, glad to be here. So we always start out with a new doctor by asking to tell us about yourself. Are you from Mississippi? Yeah, I'm a local guy. I grew up in Brandon, went to Brandon High School and Mississippi State. I did my um, medical training at University uh, Medical Center and, and stayed and did a five-year orthopedic residency there and Got interested in sports medicine and arthroscopic surgery and uh, did a year of fellowship out in Houston, Texas, um, and have been back here since. Practiced for a few years at the university, and I've been at Mississippi Sports Medicine now for about five or six years. I already have a question. What is orthoscopic Arthroscopic surgery. So arthroscopic surgery is basically surgery in the joints um, where we make small incisions and we use a camera. So instead of in the, you know, when this sports medicine was first coming around, it was big incisions and you had to open everything up so you could see. So now we make small incisions and we can put a little camera in. We make other small incisions. How small a camera? Uh, The one we use is about four millimeters. And how big is that? Is it like a... Uh, What's a a millimeter? Like a quarter? So maybe three or four quarters stacked up. Yeah. So pretty... uh, Pretty small. So good surgeries. We were able to do big surgeries through small incisions and just easier on the patients, much easier recovery. um, And what you're doing is working on the the tendons or the muscles. what are you operating yes. on? Yes. Anything, anything yes. that's in there. Bones. We do it all. So, so we do, you know, we do a lot of ligament surgery. Um, you know, a ligament is connecting two different bones together. So the ACL or the anterior cruciate ligament is one of the more common ones. A lot of cartilage surgery. Um, so that is the, um, you know, meniscus or the articular cartilage. And so when that wears out, that's arthritis. But we see people that have more traumatic injuries and a kind of focal defects. And we have surgeries that we can do for those types of things. And then we operate on tendons and which are, you know, tendons is what attaches a muscle to the bone. And so lots of tendon tears around the hip and some around the knee, that we, and we fix those as well. And when you hear sports medicine, of course, we think about football injuries. That's the first thing that comes to mind right. for me anyway. Uh, do you do you work on a lot of football players who come in with a torn ACL or whatever? Yeah, football is a busy time of year. Um, I think just the uh, you know kids bigger, faster, stronger, and we see a lot of those types of injuries. But we see them in everything. We see them in you know we'll talk about that today a little bit. Maybe just the, you know the young kids and you know especially a uh, kind of adolescent female is really just um, as they've gotten more involved in higher level sports. Just a really a rash of injuries there that we're really kind of focusing some prevention modalities on um and then we see kind of the weekend warriors that's a big part of what we do mm-hmm. too so you know people like me trying to relive the glory days and um <laughs> so uh so it all keeps us busy and then and then just you know as you get older and you try to stay active you know tendons and and joints get weaker and and so there's a whole another subset of injuries there and so sports medicine has really just become the you know soft tissue uh injuries and surgery around the joints but it's not specifically um, just young kids that are playing organized sports. Now, Dr. Brown is very active. You're very active. And I know that you have um, 
Oh, what's it called? Uh, plas- planters, oh, fasciitis? In the past, I've had planter. I, I don't have it anymore. Oh, but you I don't? have had it in the past. All right, but yeah. have you had it's injuries to soft tissue? I mean, have you had injuries with all the activity you do? J- Jason's smiling because I've come to his Are house you a before. <laughs> I've showed up at his house before asking him to examine yeah, my knee. A, we have a walking clinic from town to town. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I think after I got that, I had an injury to my ankle, which I ignored. Bad doctor. Uh, doc- <laughs> doctor is a bad patient. Do you know how you did it? Oh, yeah, I twisted my ankle. Uh, well, you know, just after actually after my class and it popped and snapped and it swelled up oh. and I didn't stop. And I ended up getting plantar fasciitis and some knee pain, I think, just because I was compensating for whatever I had done. And that ended up being far more, uh, I guess, debilitating might be a, a strong word, but far more, you know, it kind of was somewhat debilitating at first than the actual ankle was. Mm-hmm. Do you see st- stupid people like me a lot doing stuff like that? Besides, Never, you know, never stupid people. <laughs> um, but we see that a lot. People trying to compensate. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's a big reason that people... Um, you don't want to stop, right? Yeah, These the, kids, the, they the don't want to stop playing sports. I yeah. don't want to stop teaching group fitness. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, yeah, the injuries that just kind of um, a simple thing that you try to push through and mm-hmm. you start compensating and then it becomes snowballs into other things and, and then it takes a long time to get better. That's a common thing I tell kids in clinic. They want to keep going. I said, look, we can take a break now. We'll be better in two weeks or you can keep in- re-injuring it and you'll be out two months. So, Yeah, and what yeah. you're saying about young women becoming more active in sports. I mean, that's something that has definitely happened. It used to be, you know, in the past that sports were more of a thing, especially as people got older in grades, maybe girls played sports in younger ages and then a few played more sports. But now we're seeing more and more girls playing soccer or softball, basketball, right. et cetera, continuing and going even into college doing it. Yep. So um, do you think that's what's accounting for the increased injuries that you're seeing? Well, certainly. I mean, certainly that's a big part of it. It's just more, uh, especially young females playing these harder cutting, twisting, pivoting, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, you know, really kind of uh, in a way contact sports um, where maybe, the, you know, maybe when I was a, when I was a kid, there was, in fact, when I went to Brandon, maybe the there was a girls' soccer team last year, and now every school has soccer teams. They're select soccer, which is great. I mean, I'm not – I think that's great. I think these kids being active and, and doing those are perfect. But what we're seeing from that is that certainly there's a, there's a group of these adolescent females that are just at a high risk for um, these some of these knee injuries, more so per participant than a football player. Um, tearing their ACL. Well, that raises the question. Yeah. Then, yeah, why is that? That's the question. That's where a lot of the research is focused on. And there's there's tons of theories. There's anatomic theories, but probably the most the probably the biggest thing is just that that females are a little bit different in the way that their lower extremity muscles fire. Um, and the way that they basically their reflexes a little bit. So the way when they land awkwardly, you know, they can run fine. But, you know, when you land off balance or you go up to, you know, jump to shoot a basketball or to get a rebound or go up in soccer or something like that, and you come down a little bit off balance or you try to cut and pivot quickly, the muscles aren't responding quite right naturally is there a way to train that would help that situation yeah so that so that's what we see so there's there are there have been several studies looking at acl prevention programs which which i mean they're 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 not that hard basically you have to have somebody that understands what they're teaching and you get a kid to come in and and you watch them land and jump and you figure out where their weaknesses are and you bet you can video them and show them what they're doing and the and the studies show that within one session 
they can you can already see improvement and so it's a program like that where you're teaching them you're teaching their hip muscles and their knee muscles how to be aligned when they're cutting and pivoting it makes them functionally much better it makes them better athletes too um but it has that's it it's been shown in that subgroup adolescent females the best at um decreasing the incidence of acl and other knee injuries i wonder if that will translate into injuries later in life as well when they have that skill set they have that muscle memory a little bit different yeah because, you know, we know that I'm sure some other theories are probably like the pelvis, right? The way it's structured yeah. in women mm-hmm. and then the tendons and ligaments being a little bit more flexible in, in women than in mm-hmm. men. Those are probably all factors. I there's would factors. There's um, there's estrogen receptors mm-hmm. in the ACL. And so there's there's even some some evidence that at different times of the month, a girl mm-hmm. may be more prone to ACL injuries. So there's things that we can't really affect and there's things that we can, mm-hmm. but it's you know, we can't affect the way the, the certainly the female pelvis and the way the hips are, are shaped are a little bit different than men. Um, and that probably plays a role in this muscle weakness. So they're probably all connected together. Mm-hmm. The one thing that we can control is how the muscles function and fire and, you know, athletically how somebody moves. Let me interject the phone yeah. number here if you want to call with a comment or a question. 877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll go ahead and take our first break of the hour. Give us a call, and uh, we'll be right back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Normally, I don't recommend eavesdropping, but feel free to join in on my conversations. Our guests this week are the editors of the New Mississippi Encyclopedia, Charles Reagan Wilson and Ted Ombe. You're able to deal with such a variety of information. Uh, and and a lot of it is very somber and serious, yeah. uh, but a lot of it is is offbeat. Some of it is offbeat and quirky, and that but that's that's human life. Sundays at five thirty and Thursdays at ten on MPB. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Allie Brown, who's sitting in. Well, you're always here, but today you've moved up a seat I'm sitting in for Dr. Michelle Owens. Yes. Our special guest is Dr. Jason Kraft from Mississippi Sports Medicine. And we're talking about injuries uh, to girls in particular, to their hips, to their knees. Or older girls, women. Yeah, who are who are active. Ladies. If you're exercising or doing a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. 
these are injuries that you may be suffering and Dr. Kraft is going to tell us how to prevent them perhaps and what to do when you have them. Now, just during the break, you started to tell us about bursitis and its relationship to what you do, which is really fascinating. So tell this now. Yeah, so this is, um, I mean, this is a lot of the um, stuff I do with the hip especially is stuff that's really just kind of we're figuring out, um, you know, worldwide just really over the past, you know, 15 to 20 years, um, cartilage tears and labral tears in the hip. But but another one is is just common, you know, your everyday bursitis. I'm sure everybody knows, you know, whether it's themselves or their mother or their grandmother or somebody that's had bursitis. Well, what we're figuring out is that in a large subset of those patients, especially that kind of middle age to older female, I think probably my average group is probably 55 to 75, that just have this bursitis. Now, bursitis is still very common, and it can just be bursitis. But, and what is bursitis? So bursitis is basically, you know, it's that ladder, it's that pain out on the side of your hip. That's what we're talking about. And a, a bursa is normal. It helps two kind of tendons rub together. But when it gets inflamed, it becomes a bursitis. And it's there's lots of reasons it can become inflamed, weakness and tightness and other injuries. But what we're figuring out is, and so typically the treatment, is, you know, you may go to your doctor, you get an injection or you do some anti-inflammatories or even some therapy. And, and for the most part, that'll take care of it. But what we're figuring out is the one that keeps coming back so you got to go you know every three months you're calling your doctor hey i need another injection is what we're figuring out is that a lot of those are actually bursitis secondary to a tear of a tendon in the hip and it's a really a a very debilitating problem because it's a tendon that you use every step you take it's not it's not like your your rotator cuff that only raises your arm over your head this is a this is a tendon where every time you step so if i step with my right leg that tendon on that side of my right hip is what keeps me from falling over to the left so it keeps you balanced and stable and so people that have a tear in this tendon have all this pain you can you can see them coming in clinic because they have to almost kind of waddle side to side when they walk because they're trying to take pressure off this tendon they can't exercise because it hurts to exercise hurts to lay on it at night and it's really a difficult problem and what we figured out is many times we're able to fix that tendon and and number one it makes people feel a lot better i mean they're dramatically better really return function um and, and patients by and large have been very happy is this tear contemporary or can be a tear from years ago that has made the situation worse I, th- I think they probably start way before they become symptomatic in fact i think there's probably a lot of people that have them that aren't real symptomatic we don't really understand it fully yet um but i think it's a it's a small tear that like i said it sees a, it sees stress every step you take so it's not just the every once in a while you more go more and more with, sim- yeah. with usual use and i guess the more you kind of got that waddle going on unstable you are you can injure yourself in lots of other ways oh yeah back, it makes everything hurt it makes yeah. your back hurt makes your knee hurt worse and so um yeah it's a it's a it's a big balancing muscle it's what we call a postural muscle so um it's one that you use it just keep it makes you do everything right and when it's dysfunctional then everything can go bad it seems that recovery from tendon tears or whatever is longer than recovery from a bone break is that true that uh, it probably is in most instances a bone pretty reliably is going to heal six to eight weeks and and once it heals you're pretty good to go and ease back into stuff these tendon tears that the surgery to fix these tendons is easy and i tell all my patients this the surgery's not hard the hard part's the next eight weeks where you really have to stay off of it so we're talking walker and, and then you do rehabilitation after the eight a weeks? little bit during the eight weeks but you can't do much until the tendon heals and so after the tendon has had time to heal then you're rebuilding strength and that then 
the recovery for something like this is, you know, sometimes, you know, five, six, seven months. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly you lose strength in a muscle or a muscle group when you're not able to use it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and if it's you amazing. get hurt, I mean, you always hear you don't want to, you know, if you hurt your back or whatever, that you don't want to lie down too long, that you you improve it, you recover by getting up and moving around. But it sounds like that's not the case. So if you're down with an injury for six to eight weeks, is that making the rest of your body get weak and atrophy and all that? Well, that's 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 a great that's a great point, and that's one of the, re- the certainly the simple thing to do for the tendon would be to tell somebody just go home and stay on the couch and and get in the couch, see you in eight weeks. But the pro- the problem is just what you said. Everything else then starts to become a problem. You get weak, you can't do anything. So we do do therapy during that period, not even so much for the hip we just operated on, but for everything else. We keep all the other muscles strong so that at eight weeks when we're ready to start walking normal, everything. Everything else is ready to go. Is there, once a tendon has been torn, is there the risk that it will tear again? Is it more vulnerable? Absolutely. That's that's the that's the tough part of any of these surgeries that we do is that, you know, this tendon tears because there's something unhealthy about it. And we try to improve that environment and make it healthier and get it to heal. But the fact is that sometimes it just doesn't work. The good thing is that even in those where it doesn't completely work, a lot of times it still partially works and patients still feel much better. But but there's always possible it could tear again. Let me give the phone number out again. If you want to call with a question or a comment for Dr. Kraft, it's 877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464, or email women at mpbonline.org. Yeah, so it's interesting because we've started the show with two totally different populations. It just goes to show what a varied number of patients you see just focusing on the rather yeah. small scope of the human body, but... And these injuries are so different in the young yeah. women and then in kind of the perimenopausal, postmenopausal age group. What yeah. would be the most common thing that you see in women in, in your clinic, you think? Is it one of these things? or? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to break it down by the age groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly in my, you know, younger kids that we see, certainly, you know, a lot of kids, it's just knee pain and, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better term, growing pain type stuff. But in that younger athletic population, it's these types of knee injuries, ACL tears, patellar dislocations, cartilage tears. Those are the probably the things we treat the most. And is it from coming down wrong or twisting during play? Yeah, there's almost always kind of an abnormal twist, some kind of, you know, abnormal force that the knee's not quite ready for. And, and then once you kind of get going in the wrong direction, then the ligaments can't support it. Then that's when things start to and tear. And they feel like a pop or what, what, what do people usually tell you they experience with these injuries? A yeah. scream. <laughs> yeah, screams. Yeah, some of them say, I don't know, it hurts so bad. But, yeah. um, you know, a lot of them will, you know, if they're, you know, they'll feel that they land. They will say that they felt or they heard a pop mm-hmm. and they will say that my knee went out. And they and they describe varying different things when they say it went out. And so just for me, it's just that it's just the going out tells me that something was probably unstable. Sometimes they hear multiple pops. Sometimes one pop. And what um, is the pop? What's what, what is <laughs> Karen's that? Yeah. We're on radio, so you can't see Karen's cringing face, but yeah. the pop, yeah. So the um, you know the the classic one is a torn ACL. So just you know that. Um, so the pop is actually a tear. Yeah, I think if like... you were like pulling on a rope or a shoestring, and and that that kind of just very subtle pop oh. that you heard. <laughs> And then some of the pop is probably as you, when you tear the problem with you tearing your ACL. I mean, that's just that's not that big a deal. You don't use your ACL to do a ton of stuff straight line. It's just cutting and twisting. But the problem is, is that when you tear it, the knee actually kind of comes out of place, and kids feel that. Yeah. But that's where you damage start to damage the cartilage, and you get into the bigger problems down the road. So one of the main reasons. 
The other pops are, you know, if the patella comes out of place, it'll kind of pop on the way out. And, and what's kind a of patella? That's a kneecap. Your kneecap, sorry. So oh, people just look at their kneecap. Yeah. So. My father once in the service, his kneecap somehow he injured it, it went up his leg, uh, yeah, and they had to like kind of and push it back down into place. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jason's like that sounds like fun. I like doing that. Um, Doctor Brown, do you, because you teach classes, have you have you seen others injured? In your class? I mean, do you have to deal with that immediately? Uh, I have been in a class before where a lady, um, and she's an older lady, but she is extremely fit. Like, I don't know. I'm sure she's probably far older than I even think she is. And she fell um, in a step aerobics class, which I don't teach because she kind of tripped and lost her footing and broke her arm. So um, that... Yeah. But that typical thing, there's this uh, fracture where kind of you see in older women where they fall and they catch themselves with their hand and they end up fracturing their wrist. And she did that. Um, but other than that, I've been pretty lucky. I have people that have like plantar fasciitis and some things and they have to take a break sometimes and stretch a bit and then rejoin. But uh, we try to coach very much uh, good form. Yep. We're going to the phones. Adam is calling in from Picayune. Adam, go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, I have a question about five years ago, I had a, uh, what the doctor called a modified bank heart repair surgery done on my left shoulder. And I had two tears and one of them, he just shaved around. He took out some bone spurs and I had some bursitis that he cleared up and he put in one, uh, suture anchor and I'm still having, I'm having a little bit of increase in pain. And I was just wondering what's the likelihood of me needing another surgery? Uh, you know, that's a, you know, the, the shoulder is a tough joint to manage. Um, I, 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 my practice now, I kind of, I focus a little more on lower extremity, but certainly had a period of time where I did a lot of shoulder surgery as well. And the shoulder's tough. Um, you know, the most, I would say the most common reason that people probably hurt after a shoulder surgery is just still some residual weakness, um, okay. and weakness and tightness. And so that would be, and I'm sure you've done it, but, you know, once you've kind of had an injury and a surgery like this, you kind of get through your course of therapy and you think, all right, I'm good to go. But sometimes it still requires a good bit of effort, um, you know, on the patient's part, just to continuing to work on those exercises. So the stretching, yeah. the strengthening, and I would certainly, certainly do that. Now there, you know, just like we mentioned uh, earlier, it sounds like maybe you had a, a little repair of part of your rotator cuff and and those, those tear and they're, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to modify, you know, what's happened naturally to you is that tendon tearing. And sometimes it doesn't work or it re-tears. You can get a tear in a totally different spot. And so if you yeah. if you feel like you've gone through all your therapy and, and you've done things and you've maximized your strength and your motion, then then certainly reach back out to your surgeon. Okay. Well, my surgeon is in Alabama. I don't, he was a workman's comp doctor. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, um, you know, there's lots of, um, I'm not sure, you, maybe it's you're down in, in Picayune. So, oh gosh, I don't even know what's close to Picayune, New well, Orleans I'm or Natchez. Live in Ocean Springs, but. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's some, there's some good groups down there and, um, you know, certainly the good groups up here. I'm sure there'd be somebody be glad to take a look at you. All right. All right. Thank you. Adam, sure. thanks yeah. for your call. Mm-hmm. And also we're going to go back to the phone. Andre calling in from Oxford. Hi, Andre. Hi. Hey, Andre, what's your question? Uh, my question is about frozen shoulder. Um, I suffered from that uh, beginning in October of uh, 2015 and took about a, about eight months of uh, yoga, physical therapy, <laughs> myofascial uh, massage therapy to uh, recuperate from that. And I, once I did it, I realized just how many uh, primarily women um, had had frozen shoulder in uh, going to 
physical therapy and going to yoga classes and other people talking about theirs and just wondered if you could discuss um, what actually causes frozen shoulder. I don't know if it's just, you know, repetitive use of a weakened shoulder or something like that. Well, I mean, my um, that's a that's a good question. I don't think there's a really great answer for why people get it. And it, you're right; it's more common in females. Um, you know, the kind of the classic um, group of patients are it tends to be that thin female. For when I was a, treating a lot of shoulder surgery, it was a kind of a thin Caucasian female with a very high incidence if there was any kind of endocrine issue, so diabetes or any thyroid problems, anything like that seemed to predispose. It's something, you know, you got the, the way the shoulder works, you know, you have all the tendons and everything around it, but there's a lining to that joint that's called the capsule, and there's something where that just becomes hypersensitive and hyperinflamed, and, it, and when it does that it goes through a very painful tight process where it gets very thick and you start to lose motion um, and just you know what we consider idiopathic adhesive capsulitis so no no specific injury or surgery and there you know with time it will just kind of it'll kind of work itself out which just sounds like what you did you can you speed it yeah. up a little bit with medications and therapy and yoga and stretching you did all the right things um, but there, there are times where you can it needs injections and sometimes even surgery um, but I don't you know to my you know the last time I looked at it I don't think there's a really great understanding of exactly what causes it yeah, mine was. I think I was. I was starting. I'm right-handed, and I had was having a painful elbow, so I started using my left hand. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I was doing lots of really physical activity. I was doing some painting. I was helping lay tile. I was walking two very large dogs and using my left arm, you know, to hold them rather than my right. And then it just it kind of all of a sudden it went from gradually being a problem to being extremely yeah. painful. That's what we talked yeah. about before. Kind of you want to ignore it and ignore it and push yeah. it off. It's going to get better. Yeah. And then, you know, until until it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> until there's no chance it's going you. to get better. I've done it too. Andre, thank you so much for your phone call. Thank I appreciate so it. All right. Bye-bye. We're going to take our second break of the show. If you want to call in with a question, those are some good questions or a comment. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring 877-672-7464. Or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be back to find out more about torn tendons and other things that make you cringe on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. 
Hi, this is Grassroots host Bill Ellison. You know, after more than 20 years, you'd think I might have run out of Bill Monroe and Doc Watson songs to play. Well, not so. The bluegrass, acoustic, and folk music scene is vibrant with new names like Sarah Jarose and the Punch Brothers. There are always new stories from Guy Clark and Ramblin' Jack, and legendary bluegrassers Ralph Stanley and Del McCurry are still high and lonesome. And besides, I still find a song from Bill and Doc I've never played. Join me Saturday night at 8 for Grassroots on MPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. back on Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Allie Brown and our special guest, Dr. Jason Kraft from Mississippi Sports Medicine. What kind of doctor are you? Are, 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 <laughs> orthopedist? No. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. You are an orthopedic right. surgeon. Yep. Okay. There are different kinds of fields of medicine, though, aren't there? In, in orthopedics, there's probably 10 or 11 different specialties within orthopedic surgery. Um, sports medicine, foot and ankle surgery, joint replacement, spine surgery, um, hand surgery, shoulder surgery, knee and hip surgery. So it gets very, that, our group wow. is, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, of course I love our group, but I think one of the best things is that we're all very subspecialized. So you just really feel like when you, you know, if you come see one of us, you're really seeing somebody that's an expert in that field of what they do. And so Excellent. Yeah. Well, the phone lines are starting to light up. So Kane calling from Vicksburg, we'll get right to your phone call. You have a question about uh, plantar fasciitis? Yes, ma'am. I know I'm not a woman, but I know y'all are doing orthopedics today. Um, we'll let you ask a I, question just this one time. <laughs> just kidding. We love our men, too, so come on. Okay. Uh, I, I, I was told that I had plantar fasciitis, and besides the injection, the horrible, horrible injections they give to try to fix it, is there any actual cure for it? Yes, um, you're right. That's a painful injection, uh, and yes, it's, it's it tough is. for me if I want to inject somebody's knee, which is probably about the easiest injection you could get because they all have um, these nightmares about when they got their foot injected. But you're right. So, I mean, you know, plantar fasciitis, and I, I won't profess to be the, the world's expert on this, but is, you know, basically tightness and kind of um, even some tissue breakdown in the in the tight band of tissue on the back of your heel and so you just step on it and it's very painful you know certainly the mainstays of treatment are therapy to get it stretched out and loosened up injections will sometimes help with that i don't i don't know the exact indications but i do know there are surgical interventions to release part of that band um that can loosen the band up but sometimes that band gets tight and can even push on a little nerve that will increase your foot pain and so that that really it also releases that nerve so if you're just certainly if you're not making progress just you know make sure you get back with your um with your physician kane have you worn a brace at night at all have you done a night brace that really helped me a lot no no i haven't uh i do have one more question about it um several years ago i broke my left ankle and now i'm starting to have that plantar fasciitis in my right foot could it because i'm overcompensating for my left ankle Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I see um, 
a lot of people that come in to see me with hip problems and they're like, my foot is killing me on the other side because of the way I'm limping and moving. It's the, but it's the same thing. It's just, it's lots of stretching. Um, you okay. know, I, I, uh, Dr. Brown brought up a good point. The night braces do help any, cause you sleep with your foot, you know, under the okay. sheets and you're kind of pushed down and that band just gets tighter and tighter all night. So the brace okay. keeps you stretched out a it's little a bit. It's a game changer. You can get it on, on the internet. You can just Google, okay. you know, on I, Amazon. I it's fantastic. It. Thank yeah. you, Kane. Appreciate your call. Moving on to our next caller, Amy is calling in from somewhere on the road. Hi, Amy. Hi, how are you today? We're doing great. Drive safe, Amy. How are you? Not too bad. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. What's your question? When I was pregnant, my pelvic cradle didn't spread properly. It kind of tilted out at the front, down, and back. Um, It wasn't apparent to me or anybody else as to what was going on. I just went from having like fantastic balance to having no balance to the point where if I stood on one point I for more than a minute I fell over. And when my daughter would have been about six or seven, I had just finished the uh, doing my staircase and I slipped and fell down the stairs and one side I ended up with large bruising on my back and I had had three bumps where my toxic is, and one of the bumps disappeared, and for about a week, my balance was really off again. I had gone into my chiropractor. They had previous x-rays, and they did x-rays again to see what I had damaged, and it turned out that I had actually popped one side back to where it should have been. I was curious if there's been any progress or if there's anything I could look into to get that other side to pop back in as I'm not quite brave enough to actually fall down the stairs again. <laughs> and my chiropractor hasn't managed to make any progress, and I hate to say it, and I realize it's extreme. Okay. So, All right, I think we get the picture, Amy. Dr. Kraft, you want to respond to that? Yeah, you know, I see I see patients all the time with kind of pelvic floor and pelvic dysfunction after pregnancy, and that's a, it can be a very tough problem. I don't think there's any... Um, you know, I think I think you're, they're kind of maybe on the right path a little bit with things kind of out of place. I'm not I'm not a huge believer in kind of the the hips rotating a little bit, except that maybe it, it can lead to some SI joint dysfunction. And so there are some some specific therapy modalities, maybe outside even what they're wanting to do and in, in, with your chiropractor that that could give you some relief of um, some of that posterior hip pain. Um, I see people in, with what I do for hip surgery and labral tears, a lot of times, most of the labral tear stuff I do has to do with the shape of the hip. And I see a lot of um, people where that presents during pregnancy, just that, that extra stress and that goes on the hip and will kind of present. But that tends to be more of a groin pain than anything in the back of the hip. So a tough problem, but, uh, you know, I would certainly reach out to, um, you know, to your therapist and, um, and, and see if they have any other ideas for some different strengthening and kind of mobilizations you could try. Thank you very much for your call, Amy. Ruby is calling in from Stewart. Hi, Ruby. Hi. Where's Stewart? Uh, it's uh, between Winona uh, uh, and Starkville. Okay. Highway, Highway 82. Gotcha. Okay. Go ahead. All right. I have some hip pain in my uh, at night. It doesn't bother me in the daytime. I cannot lay on my right side because of it. And sometimes I can't lay on my back even. I can't get my right leg in position. Do you think that might be sciatica? I have been told it was arthritis. 
Well, I mean, that, that you know, it could be either of those. Do where? Can I ask you a question? Where in your hip does it hurt? Does it hurt in the front or on the side or in the back? Well, it I, it seems to be in the joint. Uh, so where? So where? So where is that? Like, if you had to point to it, would you be pointing to the front of your uh, body, the side? Well, I, I would point to the side, but it would be deep. Side, but deep. So uh, typical. The pain that you have on the side, it could be, it's probably not sciatic. It could be. Does it, let me ask you this, does it shoot down your leg at all? Uh, no. So it just stays in that one spot. So mm-hmm. probably could be coming from your back, but if it's not, if it's on the side of your hip and it doesn't shoot down your leg, that's probably a little less likely. Um, the most common thing I see um, that causes that pain on the side is this is basically this bursitis and sometimes these tears and it may not it may just not be one that doesn't bother you during the day but is but it gets inflamed and when you try to lay on it at night um, you basically just put pressure right on it and that makes it hurt. No, well that, that's I'm 81 years old and other than that I'm pain free. Which I'm yeah. thankful for. <laughs> yeah, well, so I mean, certainly something to get looked into. It's uh, sometimes it's as simple as some, you know, an injection or a little physical therapy and make you a lot better. Typical arthritis pain um, can be out there on the side of the hip. For the hip specifically, um, that most patients probably typically present with a very deep groin pain. So when they when they complain of their pain, they're pointing in the front of their hip. Now this this is not in the yeah. groin. Don't seem like. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's that's certainly still possible. Not everybody's uh, exactly the same, but that that would lead me to think more of a bursitis type picture, or or even one of those um, tears that we were talking about earlier. Ruby, we wish you the best. Thank you so much for your phone call. Now, Bill is calling in from also on the road, driving next to Amy, probably. Bill, you have a cure for plantar fasciitis. Uh, sister-in-law's father, I wish I knew his name, he passed away, but he was one of the renowned uh, podiatrists in the United States, if not the world, and he told my brother about this, and my brother uh, uh, found out that I had been diagnosed with plantar fasciitis. All right, hang on a second, Bill. Are your windows open in your car? Uh-oh. Hang on just a second. That's a good diagnosis, uh, Karen. <laughs> wow, that's, that's very a radio good. diagnosis right there. <laughs> okay, bear with me a second here. Okay. i got to take you off of my headset. <laughs> we pull over. <laughs> okay. And while you're uh, doing that, let me give the phone number out. one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. All right, Bill, go ahead. All right, but uh, it's really simple, uh, but it's hard at the same time. Uh, what you do is you take a pan that your foot will fit in, and you take a uh, the equivalent, if anybody can remember what a tray of ice cubes is, it's about maybe 15 or 20 ice cubes. Put it in there, and then just barely... Cover the ice cube by about a quarter inch. Stick your foot in there to where it comes up. Your it'll come up from the bottom of your foot there, just a little ways. And uh, you have to leave it in there for, for as long as you can stand it. And it's hard to do because it's so cold. You do this uh, for about ten to fifteen minutes maximum. Take your foot out, let it rest for about thirty minutes. Do it again. You do this for every night before you go to bed, 
and uh, you do that for about two weeks, what you'll find is that the swelling will go down in your uh, uh, foot, and uh, you'll end up uh, it's it's uh, in the heel uh, heel there. You'll end up with uh, uh, your bone spurs going down if you've got bone spurs in there. But the plantar fasciitis is also uh, affected by this this method. Okay, well, let's just stop there. Any truth to that or... Yeah, I think, you know, certainly with inflammation, I think uh, icing and even there, you know, some some evidence of doing contrast baths. So going from uh, ice to heat and kind of back and forth, I do do think there can be a role for that as well. I still think that, you know, and I I would just I would just tell you to combine that with stretching. And, you know, you hear, um, you know, people talk about freezing water bottles and kind of rolling their plantar fascia over the water bottle and stuff like that. So it's probably kind of it's probably kind of doing the same thing. So. Yeah, that's All right, great. Bill, thanks so much for your call. We appreciate that. I would caution, you know, especially people who have maybe diabetes and have problems with the nerves in their extremities. You like don't want to be feet, doing that. Right? Just to be careful, they may not feel as cold as it gets and could get some injury or damage mm-hmm. from extreme cold. So just don't fall asleep with your feet in the ice, et cetera. I mean, you could, it, that could be potentially dangerous. Yeah. Just we need to take our last break of the show. Um, Bill, or Bob, rather, you hang on the line. We'll get to you when we come back. If you want to give us a call, now's the time before the show ends at 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. We'll be right back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. You count on MPB News for in-depth coverage of issues that matter to you. The state's ongoing opioid epidemic. A bill to allow guns in churches. The child welfare crisis. And the best radio newscast in the state. Those are just a few of the stories behind 10 new Associated Press Awards and another Edward R. Murrow Award. For the award-winning coverage you've come to expect, count on us. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. 
telling Dr. Kraft about my trigger thumb, and I don't want a shot. We all have our problems, don't we? Dr. Brown is here. We're going to wrap up the show the next 10 minutes or so. You can still give us a call, but we're going to go to the phone. Bob, you've been waiting patiently. You're on the road as well. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Um, when I walk any distance, I've noticed that, uh, say, you walk a, half, a quarter of a mile or so, I develop a pain on the outer part of my hip, either on the left or the right, sometimes both. But if I stop and wait about 15 minutes, uh, I'm sorry, 15 seconds or so, the pain dissipates and I can walk the same distance again. And it's and you and so when you say on the outside of your hip, you think it's really kind of right out there on the bone, or do you think it's more back in your uh, buttock area? And and the other question is, when you stop for, you know, when you stop after that certain amount of time, do you do you just stand there, or does it does it take sitting down to make it go away? No, I just stand there, and it's on the outside of my hip. Yeah, so I mean that that could certainly be um, you know so that kind of activity related lateral sided hip pain uh, can be this bursitis or these tears you get out on the side of your hip. Uh, the other possibility would be um, something in your back. So as you walk and you're and you're standing, you know, and it's kind of a typical certain amount of time, you'll start to have you know some referred pain coming from your back that sometimes you can feel on the outside of your hip and. But t- I will say that typically that probably goes away. It takes sitting to make that better as opposed to just standing still. So that makes me think it may be a little bit more hip pain. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the the typical things are, you know, anti-inflammatories. Maybe make sure that before you go walking that you're stretching, and then make sure that at some intervals while you're walking that you stop and stretch. You'll always stretch better once you're warmed up a little bit. So, you know, coming out cold out of your front, you know, front door and trying to stretch may not be as beneficial as even doing it after you've been going a little bit. So, um, okay. th- that was that would be certainly where I would start. All right, Bob. Thank you so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. stretching is so important. You know, I see this at the gym all the time. People go so hard at the gym, and they never stretch. I mean, that's just going to make yourself get an injury. I well, mean, for, stretching well, is so me, important. For the kids that I see that, um, you know, I see I see a lot of adolescent kids that are going through these big growth spurts and are playing all these high-level sports. And, you know, the way you grow your bone, basically your bones grow, and everything else kind of has to stretch to that. Is that and growing so, pains, what they feel? Yeah, some yeah. of it. So they get, um, so the bones are growing, and they're, all their tendons are get just really tight, and then they never stretch. And then they go, so I see it really bad in track and baseball. You go from a kind of a sedentary or, you know, stationary position to a sudden sprint and I see bad muscle pulls I see uh, kids avulsing tendons off their pelvis all the time and so I can't I cannot stress the importance of stretching how long should you stretch before you begin activity I don't, you know, I don't know. There's a specific number. I think you just it just needs to be a good full body stretch and probably some active warm ups. Good. I think coaches and teams are getting better about that. So instead of just getting in a circle and everybody touch your toes, there's more you know kind of lunging and functional movement type stuff. So I, th- I think it's getting better. All right, back to the phones we go. Joe calling from Tippa County. Hi, Joe. Hey, I've got a question about pain. But my pain is right below my right un- under my belt line or a little below it. And if I'm working, uh, I guess where I just can't move, I just have to sit down, or just walking, or any any activity at all, hardly. Uh, 15, 20 minutes, I'm I'm uh, in terrific pain. And does it just stay in your back, or does it shoot down your leg at all? Or no, it doesn't shoot. I've had sciatica, and I've had surgery for a ruptured yeah. disc in a yeah. lumbar section. I know that pain. But yeah. this is right in the in the muscles right below my belt line. Yeah. So. 
you know, so the most common thing, you know, uh, you know, people have disc surgery all the time. Well, you know, kind of, you know, I'm not a back surgeon and, you know, they may cringe when I say this, but I, I think that those discs breaking down and herniating is, is the beginning of a degenerative process. And, and taking the disc out and taking the pressure off the nerve doesn't necessarily make that degenerative process start. And so what we see is that people come back later on as that arthritis in their back progresses. And you can get uh, specifically get some arthritis in the little small joints of the back that are that are low back, uh, that are kind of right right where you're describing. And it hurts when you stand for a long time. It hurts with yeah. extension. And then you get stiff and you can't bend over. Over. I mean, it's just, it's a tough problem. I'll tell you that the key is the key is flexibility, anti-inflammatories when you need it and keep your weight down weight, especially a big belly kind of pulling forward really exacerbates that back pain. So those are the best things. And if that, and if that doesn't get better, sometimes it does take injections and stuff like that. But typically you're not looking at more back surgery or anything like that. If it's not shooting down your leg. No, it's not. It's not that kind of pain. It's just yeah. right, in, right in the muscles, right, right below my belt line. Yeah, just, mo- most likely it's that arthritis. A few minutes working something in a certain position, it just or just uh, I can only walk so far, and it starts hurting. Well, yeah. Joe, we wish you the best with your mobility and your pain. Thank you for your phone call. And our last call of the hour comes from Edna. She's calling in from Jackson. Hi, Edna. Hi, how you doing? Good. You can go ahead. I was I was just wondering about osteoporosis. I have a a, a spine problem. If I um, uh, get trip or anything and catch myself, someone has to push my my head back up into alignment, and I'm I'm partially paralyzed. And I have a um, let's see, it's a it's a sometimes a pain right right in the middle of my neck, and yeah. uh, someone bumped me. I, it, I, can't, I have to, and I have anything in my hand. Everything has to be removed from my hands because I can't move. Have you? Have well, let me ask you this first. Have you seen a surgeon about it? Uh, I, I haven't in, in a while. Yeah, you know there are there are certainly some instabilities you can get in your neck, maybe not specifically related to osteoporosis, where, you know, you may be, if you get into a funny position, that you are pinching your even your spinal cord, and that can make your hands go numb, and you can't hold anything, and, you know, and maybe you're having, when somebody's I put, I'm picturing them pushing your head back. If it's what I'm thinking that, you know, maybe they're trying to take the pressure off your cord a little bit. And so, you know, uh, that to me, that is, that's a worrisome thing. And I think you should, um, you know, reach out to a spine surgeon just to make sure there's nothing that they need to do to keep you from having any more permanent damage. Yeah. Cause uh, once they push it up, I'm, I'm back. I can start walking again. Yeah. That's, um, I would definitely get that checked out. Good luck to you, Edna. Thank you very much for your phone okay, call. Y'all have a nice day. Thank you for taking my call. Sure you bet. Thing. Thank you. Before we leave, I do want to ask you, is there, um, can girls start sports too young or boys too? Can you be too young and you're actually causing harm to your body just by playing sports? Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a huge advocate of sports. I think that you know the benefits outweigh any risk. I can you tell know, you, these be, kids are also very athletic. Yeah, even at young being, ages, being yeah. active and going. I do think um, in a growing skeleton that there are some things that have to be in moderation. So I certainly see kids with overuse problems that um, that lead to big issues. Whether it's uh, and and sometimes even to surgeries and 
you know, significant downtime from sports and sometimes the end of sports. Um, you know, I think I think there, you know, we've kind of we've kind of gotten into this realm of year round sports. I don't know if, if any of the listeners have have kids that are, you know, my kids are 11 and eight and, you know, kind of from that. Gosh, even kind of eight, nine year old, even, you know, longer on. It's just year round sports. It's constant. It's never stopping. I do think there's a huge benefit to playing multiple sports. Um, it's different skill sets. You know, if you can't play baseball year round, your arm is not going to tolerate it. And so having a period of where then you go play soccer or then you go play basketball. And, you know, um, I just think there's, um, there's huge benefits to sports. It needs to be a little bit in moderation and, um, you got to be smart about it. And kids can get hurt and they can have problems and parents need to listen to them uh, when they say they're hurting dr jason craft from mississippi sports medicine thank you so much for being here today thank you yeah thanks it was an awesome show southern remedy for women is a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio it's funded in part by a grant from the university of mississippi medical center and by generous support from the mpb foundation today's show was engineered by jay white our call screener liz gill for dr ali brown i'm karen brown Listen next Friday at 11 for Mrs. for what's our show called?